0: I need a big stand to hold the volume of notes. Well, welcome to the first Sunday of the year 2009. You realize that this is the last year of the first decade of the new millennium. Seems like just yesterday it was Y2K, doesn't it? And yet we're almost 10 years down the road. And New Year's is a time of, of new beginnings, isn't it? We kind of see it that way. We can start over. We make promises to do things that we know we should do, but we haven't done. And we make promises to quit doing things that we shouldn't do, but we do anyway. And so it's kind of like do-over time. You get to make a new start. And for your New Year's, you come out to the very first Sunday service, Have the new year, and what do you get? Me. (laughs) Well, look at it this way. Look at the rest of the year. It's got to be uphill from here, right? Well, really, this wasn't the plan. If you go back a week and looked at my life, I wasn't doing that well. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. And I'll tell you the truth, I just had a bad attitude. And I remember laying awake last Monday night. I'm praying and saying, Lord, I have a bad attitude and I don't want to fix it. But I know it's wrong. And I can't do it. So I need You to intervene in my life. I need You to supernaturally intervene in my life so that I don't fall further into sin. And I went to sleep. And then Tuesday morning, I got a call from Dan Overby. He said, Dude, what are you doing this weekend? I said, Nothing. He said, Deckard's on vacation, and I'm at the doctor with strep. I said, I guess I'm preaching. And I hung up the phone, and I said, Lord, what are you doing? I can't preach. I have a bad attitude. I can't hear you. I can't speak your words. I can't convey your message. I don't even have my head on straight. What are you doing? But God works all things together for the good, doesn't He? For He knew that what I needed was what preaching would bring. And that would would drive me to the Word. It would drive me to my knees. That's exactly what I needed. So Dan Overby, wherever you are, I apologize for you being sick, it's my fault. (laughs) And really this sermon started last summer. I had some thoughts last summer and I kind of shelved those and then sometime in November God brought them back into my mind and started working them into my life. I started really meditating on them. And again, God works all things together for good, doesn't He? All things together. So let's go to Him one more time and ask Him to this morning. Father, we praise You, Lord. We praise You that You are the God that fixes
1: that attitude. You are the God that heals sickness. You are the God that intervenes in our life because you love us, spite of who we are. Lord, we ask that you move this morning, that your mighty power sweeps through this place. And, Lord, that your words change us. Lord, we are expecting you to work in the mighty way this morning. That's in Jesus' name. <laughs> so like I said, this really started last summer. And it was while I was watching the Olympics. Now, how did you really like the Olympics? I learned the Olympics. I can watch them 24 hours a day when they're on. And it was cool nowadays. And I like some of the less popular sports. You know, somewhere in this twelve hour block of time, to be fifteen minutes of things i really running on a And this is for DR. And I don't know how it is with women. I, I really, really don't know how women think or even what they are saying sometimes. But the, a man, as we watch the Olympics, you know, if you watch the Olympics and you say, Well, oh, that's good to me. If only, if only I was born in the right town, had the right coaching, you know, had the right opportunity to get have this injury. That could have been me out there. But when I watched the Olympics, I watched them realizing that there is no way that could have been me. And so I'm even more in awe that. them. And this morning I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I came to that. There's really good about my life. And there's always danger in that. There's always danger when you're talking about yourself, especially when you're talking about yourself in sports, because we have a tendency to spin things to make us look better than we really are, don't we? And I'm not a leader in that. And years ago, my son bought me a shirt that said, the older I get, the better I was. That was right before he left home. So this morning, none of this is designed to impress you. In fact, it's really about my failure in sports that shaped my view of athletics and really shaped my view of what it means to found Christ. But to understand that, you have to realize, you have to understand that I was born short and round. And I was born when I was very tall, I weighed 35 pounds. And I pretty much stayed that shape until I got high school. My athletic aspirations were to be able to run just as fast as I could run. And when about the time I got to high school, I grew. And I grew some six inches in less than a year. And so my mom bought me new pants every other night, and so every other month I had high waters. And you know what happens when you go from being like a football to being shaped like a pencil? Yeah, you no longer have complete control over well, these long limbs that you have know, required. And so, again, I didn't have great athletic aspirations. And then I found, when I got high school, I found a sport called waterboard. And it was really a great sport for me it was a defensive move, because it was the one sport I could play and not fall down and hurt myself. And Everybody else coming in had never played it either, so everybody was, that is equally bad. that what the playing field. So I locked to this, and I poured myself into it. For the next four years, that's how I concentrated on was playing water it. And I did everything I could to do a lot of prayer I went to every practice, even those 6 o'clock in the morning practices, when the to years working, and I too. that's college games to understand the game. And I worked at the pool in the summer so I could have extra time in the pool. And somewhere along the way, one of the coaches told me, Brian, if you work hard and put your mind to it, you can do anything and you can be the very best. And I believed that. And so my strategy for sports was to work harder than everybody else and to be the very best. And so through high school, I, I worked as hard as I could and I filtered to the top in my peer group. And then, because of my hard work and because of my great academic achievements, I gained the opportunity to go to the book and turn the Or I started again at the bottom. And I still believed in the formula. And so I worked harder than everybody else. And I filtered back up to the top. And you know, a lot of success in life is being in the right place at the right time. And I, I realize now that that's the providence of God. It's not what. But our team got a chance to play an exhibition game with the national team and we got slaughtered. But I made some friends and met some people. I got an invitation to play in the summer with some of the national team now. And this is where I should be impressed because I went there and I just got the target out of it. And I realized that there was part of the formula that my coach forgot. And that was genetics. I mean, this is all there is. These guys were monsters. 6'4", 6'6", 240 pounds. Their arms were bigger than my legs. I was 6'2, 160 something. And I just got humble, And I realized that I was not going to go to the next level. That I had reached the pinnacle of my abilities. And I was really done. Plus, I met this girl. And she had this loud, intoxicating laugh. And the smile could not matter. I was in love and I wanted to get married. And going to school and practicing six hours a day and getting married and just didn't quite fit. And, and I realized also that, that I didn't have any skills, skills to support a family. family. And all I'd ever done a was that right I of the pool. And I wasn't going to support a life much less a family. So I did the only logical thing. I dropped out of college. I went through the phone book on the shortest high school I could afford and signed up. Did not send the children to me that could account for And I graduated from that and I got married. And pretty soon we had a baby. But I realized that those repetitive juices were still flowing to me. I still believed that I could be the very best at something. So I went looking for what I could be the very best at and I picked it running. So I did all the things that you needed to do in the 70s to be a great runner. I went out and I bought the fanciest shoes I could find. I got some of those Magnum PI running shorts. And I subscribed to those. (laughs) And I subscribed to Warner's World Magazine, and I hit the road running. And I can remember one afternoon, Sitting in the living room, i reading the Women's World magazine, trying to find some new training tips. And I ran across an article about the Stanford Women's Track Team. You now, the Stanford in the 70s, the Stanford Women were the elite track team in the nation. They were national champions, no one could come close to them. And this article talked about their training regime and their dedication to the sport. And so I said, ah, I read this. I lines of secrets are becoming the very best. And basically the article said this. It said that when they got up in the morning, they ran. And they ran. And then they went home and breakfast and walked the class. And then at lunch, the whole team would get together every day for a team meeting. And then they'd have a class together in the afternoon where they'd work on techniques. And then after all their classes, they'd get together and they'd grind and they'd run, and they'd run, and they'd run, and they'd run. Too to run. And they'd go home, and they'd eat dinner, and they'd be hung until they fell asleep. And the next morning, they get up, and they'd run, and they'd run. And on the weekends, they get together, and they'd run. And they didn't go home for Thanksgiving, they didn't go home for Christmas, they didn't go home for Easter. But they'd run. They didn't have any relationships. They didn't go to any social events. They didn't do any recreational activities. They were single-minded focus on being the national champions, and they did nothing else. They had everything else that would hinder them, and they gave up everything else this world had to offer. But to run and be the best. And I remember I laid that out now, and I looked up at my mouth, and I said, I could never be the best at anything. Because the price to pay is way, way too high. And so in my studies later, when I came across 1st Corinthians 9, 24 I understood exactly what Paul was talking about. I totally understood what he was saying. Listen to this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, that only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it. To get a crown that will not last when we do it. To get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fly like a man beating the air. No! I take my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I understood what Paul was saying, and I understood what the call of Christ was. Because the call of Christ on our lives, is to run as champions, to shed everything in our lives that hinders us, and to give everything we have to Christ for his kingdom and for his gospel. To be single-minded focused on Christ himself. <laughs> and the what Christ said. And he said, to gain life, you have to lose it. But to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up the restored of death. To follow me. Or in Paul, man, when he said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Or when he said, I look at all the things that I've given up and lost in this world, and I just lost. For the sake of knowing Christ. I understood what that meant. That God wanted me to run like a champion. I took everything for that. But his system, the call of Christ is a radical call. And I'm afraid that a lot of people that come to church, they look more like, why well, can't They want to become occasional participants. But that doesn't work. It doesn't work to be occasional participants. In my work and in my ministry, I get a lot of chance to to talk to people. And I talk to a lot of people that I would describe as spiritually bored. It'd be like being an an athlete and just occasionally going to practice and then going to the games but never playing. And just dabbling in it, and like having all the pressure and all the responsibilities of being on the team, after a while you'd say, it's not worth it. We're not God living occasional participants. We're called to give all for the sake of Christ. Everything we do, everything we own, everything we have. Some say to me, Look is this way too hard. And, and I apologize if I made it sound hard because I meant to make it sound impossible. But remember when Christ was preaching, and at the end of preaching, the crowd looked at him and said, This is way too hard. We're going home. And they turned to the disciples and said, Are you going home too? And they said, No. Or else are we going to find the worth of life? And then another time he's preaching and the disciples came to him and said, but if this is true, then who can be saved? And he said, it's impossible. man. But with God, all things are possible. You see, we are called to the impossible. But then God sends us impossible power to do it. And we don't have to worry about genetics because we inherit perfect genetics for the past. Sure, your love in life is your call in life to do the impossible, to follow God with everything you have. And we do it to get what, a crown that lasts forever. A prize that never fades. Not like the 16-year-old gymnast who hasn't lived at home for 8 or 10 years but has lived with her coach so she can have her one or two chances of getting this medal. That won't last. And that's a couple generations that I don't remember but we do it. We shed everything, we give everything, we sacrifice everything, we suffer for a prize that lasts for everything forever. For Jesus himself. To be with him forever. And that's our motivation. That's what keeps us going. Is to know that he is our prize. And we this on That's why we're here together this morning. We're here together because we need each other. And I need you to run this race. One of my favorite Olympic figures was a guy named Dan Gable. And Dan Gable was an Olympic wrestler. And in all of his collegiate careers, his Olympic career only had lost last one match. And when it came to the lost that match, he said, I will never lose again. And he tells the story of how was mom to go off at 5 30 in the morning. And he wouldn't want to get out, he'd want to sleep in. And his dad would come in, and this was during the Cold War. And his dad would come in, and his dad would say, Danny, hey, you think the Russians are sleeping in this morning? You think they're taking a day off? that they're slapping, and they think they're in the gym, making hard, doing everything they can to beat you. And you get out of bed. And you go out of the gym and Well you didn't get a prize at the last. But I need you. I need you to pick me up when I fall down. I need you to come and correct me when I have a bad attitude. I need you to spur me on, and I don't want to run anymore. And you need each other to do that. Bring this together. Because we need to be reminded that we have an enemy that does not sleep, that does not take a day off, that does not rest. But his goal is to destroy us, to destroy the name of Christ. And we're called to give it everything we have. To run this race and fight this war. to the glory that wins. First time I ever preached, Brian, years ago a some guys from the church came to me and said, hey Brian, you are going to the mission on Saturday. you want to go? I said, sure. Okay. They go, great, you're preaching. They're picking up your Bible. Said, no, I said, I don't preach. And they said, you never share the hope that is within you? Didn't run, yeah. know. They said, "Well, no, I don't because of God." And they walked away. And they picked me up at God. and I wasn't afraid. I was horrified. I had never preached before. I never stood in front of people before. But I can tell you that you know, I walked away from that. Experiencing something I've never experienced in athletics. Experiencing something I've never experienced since. The joy of being right out of the draft, proclaiming his word and seeing the people And I realize we're not all the same. We're not all just the same. We don't all have the same personalities, and not all of are going to stand up and preach. We're all colored as champions, we're all called to make disciples. Every one of us is called to share the hope that is in us. And if you've never sat across from someone and shared the hope that is in you, looked them in the eye and said, Jesus Christ died for sin so that we can be saved. And you've never experienced what it means. <laughs> I was on to the say Therefore, I do not run aimlessly, and do not fight like a man beating the air nor I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have to others I myself forgot to just go up the, the cries. and in a group this big there's bound to be some that are going to occasion participants. And on that day when God divides the sheep from the donts, they're going to say to him, But wait, 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 can die do these things? They're going to say, I don't know. What is Christ? There'll the others that know Christ but have spent their life on things like money, success the things of this world that don't last, that burn up. In chapter 3, it says that, that we escape as if we're passing through the flames. And we're called, brothers and sisters, we're called, my champions, to run really to get the prize. To run, so that we face our Savior, he says, well, I'm done. but am faithful thank sir. It's I'm going to ask you to make a resolution. To make a promise. To follow Christ with all that you have, with all that you are, with all that you do. Leave nothing on the table. I'm not going to ask you to start with five minutes a day. I'm going to ask you to leave it Because anything else, I regret. Let's go in this race together. Let's keep our eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ and His glory. And this year, let's be all we can believe for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I praise you. I praise you, Lord, that you have the likes in us and that you choose to use us to do the greatest task in the universe. And Father, that you empower us and that you reward us. So, Father, I ask that you inspire us Father, we desperately need you. And we desperately need to run after you with everything we have. Father, help us to stay focused on you this year. Help us to give our lives totally and fully to you. Help us to give up those things that hinder us, even the things that are good, and the things that are best. Father, we commit our lives to your hands. To commit this church to your hand. That this year, we would be no, honored the day for and that this city that would know that you, you are King of Kings and Lord of Lord. Lords. Father, we praise you thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.